Welcome to War Stories from the Womb. I'm your host, Paulette Kamenica. I'm an economist and a writer and the mother of two girls. American culture has a lot of ideas about pregnancy and motherhood baked into it. And even if you don't subscribe to most of the common tenets, pregnancy and birth can still offer unexpected twists and turns. Today's guest walked gently into pregnancy. She got pregnant relatively easily and for the better part of nine months had a smooth experience. She meticulously researched every aspect of birth, pulling the traditions that spoke to her from all over the world and setting out to have a very specific type of home birth. She couldn't have been more prepared. You'll hear she had her eyelash curler packed in her hospital go bag just in case. And then the wheels came off, as they often do. After we spoke, I went back into the interview and expanded on some medical things that came up. Let's get to this inspiring story. Hi, thanks so much for coming on the show. Can you introduce yourself and tell us where you live? My name is Monique and I live currently in Montclair in New Jersey. Oh, nice. So Monique, we're here to talk about the family that you created, but a lot of times that's influenced by the family you came from. So a couple quick questions. You just mentioned your sisters. So you have siblings? I have one sister. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you guys close in age? Yeah, we are technically two and three quarter years by birth, but in school, we were three years apart, you know, in grades. Okay. And growing up in the context with a sibling, did that encourage you to think, I want to have a family when I grow up? Or what what were your ideas about that? Never thought about it, honestly. Never really thought about it. It's funny. I've recently thought about that a bit. I never had this grand dream of getting married in a white dress or anything. I just never even thought about really marriage or not. I had various boyfriends, relationships, lovers, whatever, the whole gamut, everything, everyone. But the idea of marriage by this age or that age, or even the idea of me in a wedding or having a kid or not kids or how many I want, none of that. It never really crossed my mind. I don't know why. I just didn't. It was like a not a not thought. Okay. Well, that, that, that blank slate is not a bad way to go into this all. So yeah. on, the, on the cusp of pregnancy, do you have any sense of what pregnancy is going to be like? Nope. I was completely clueless because I think I'm, I'm very rebellious. I always have been quite, quite an independent thinker, marching to my own drum, so to speak, all of that, and never followed the particular traditional models of anything. That's just who I am. And so it's not like I you know, graduated high school, went to college, was in a sorority or in a whole group of friends, and then they all had a you know boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever partner, and then got mar- got engaged, got married, settled down, had kids, moved in the you know near their parents, like that kind of formulaic setup. I never went through that, so I wasn't exposed to that order of things, I guess you could say, and so. I wasn't around a bunch of girlfriends who one by one got pregnant, you know, got engaged, got married, got pregnant and saw them doing that. It just, I wasn't really exposed to it. That's really interesting. So did you get pregnant easily? Yep. Pretty easily. So I never, like I say, never really planned on having children and I didn't plan on not having them. I just, it was a non, a non-thought, like a non-issue. All I know is I tried really hard to not get pregnant. Right. right. <laughs> Didn't know? we all? Yes. No. I use birth control constantly. I always used something. And I got, I actually got pregnant once when I was like 26. It was an oops, you know, got rid of it. And that was that. And I had very few 
thoughts about doing that, you know, I, for a hot second, I thought, oh, maybe I'll keep it. It could be kind of fun. I was like, no, that's crazy. I was in grad school. I told my boyfriend, you pay half, I pay half. Let's, you know, let's take care of it. He's like, well, okay. And that was it and done. I mean, I never, it was fine. I mean, physically it was hard afterwards. You don't feel so well for like a week or so, but that's it. I mean, I was never torn of guilt or had any issues around it. Never think about it. It's like done, done. Like, I don't know, like anything else, you know, just like you're sick or you go to the bathroom. It was no big deal. Just did it, got it done, finished and continued on my life. And it was like, okay, I really must make sure I always use birth control. Cause that's like the one time we did not he pulled out, but we were 26, you know? Yeah, that, yeah. So yes, I got pregnant easily then, but I wasn't planning it. Didn't want it. Got rid of it. That was it. Continued grad school, finished. Subsequently, that actually broke us up because I think eventually I found out that he really wanted it and he regretted it and he got very angry and resentful of me. But at that age, you don't have the communication skills or emotional intelligence that you need to discuss these things at that kind of mature level. So it didn't, you know, about a year later. So I think I don't remember exactly too long ago, uh, we broke up and that was that. So anyway, continued along my merry way, this boyfriend that blah, 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 in and out relationships life and eventually eventually I met somebody and we started dating when I was 40 or just after that for a few months and about three or four months he's like well are we going anywhere is this serious are we you know gonna stay together or not and I was like yes I'd love to he's like okay well I need you know I need a commitment trust you and I was like oh my gosh really I don't know I was still not quite ready, but I realized that to settle down, but I realized that if I didn't, this guy would probably leave. And he was very serious. And not that this, not that this was my last chance, but this would be my last chance with him. He was serious. So it was either take it or not. And I was like, okay, I, I can do this. I will commit and I will settle. Cause I had come out of some intense, unsuccessful relationships before this. And I just wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was ready, but I decided to. Anyway, that was that. And he already had a son from a previous relationship. And I saw him with his son and thought, you know, I think this guy's going to be a great dad. Maybe, maybe I actually do want a baby. And now at this age, perhaps I should. This is probably the last chance. Uh, so how old is the son when you guys are together? When you first uh, met him, he was 10. I think when I met him, he was nine or 10. Well, that's a, that's a good look. Cause that's, you know, on the cusp of a not easy age. So. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I saw this and I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I should. And then I was like, Oh, a baby. <laughs> it never really occurred to me much before. Like I said, I always tried not to have one. And then when I had, you know, when I got pregnant, I'm like, I don't want one. So I really didn't have this in my, in my consciousness much. Anyway, I said, maybe we should, could we try? And he was like, I would love one with you. I mean, I didn't really know if I wanted it. I always imagined, actually, I think he said I was imagined I'd have two, but it didn't work out with my ex. And so that was that. And I didn't imagine I would do it again, but you know, I love you. And I, I, I would, and I was like, Hmm, okay, maybe we should try it. And then let's try. So we were trying and, you know, I was using the, um, what is this? the ovulation kit? Thank like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm three hours sleep. I'm a real mom. You see? Yes those kits and I'm pretty kind of ADD and hyper and very unfocused sometimes. And I was like, I can't do this anymore after a few months. He's like, you don't really want this, do you? I'm like, I do, but I, I can't be bothered with this thing. It's just, ugh. 
So I've never used an ovulation kit, so I wanted to look it up and see how it works. And it sounds like it's a lot like a pregnancy test, but instead of measuring HCG, the hormone that delineates pregnancy, it measures luteinizing hormone, which rises before an ovary releases an egg, marking the most fertile window in a woman's cycle. A positive test means that it's likely that an egg will be released in the next 24 to 36 hours. Unlike a pregnancy test where you only take one, or more realistically, many of us take 87 pregnancy tests to confirm a pregnancy or to confirm that you're not pregnant. But an ovulation test kit comes with five to seven sticks because you have to test for days around the middle of your cycle to find the surge. And to do that, it helps if your cycle is very regular and you're tracking it carefully. So like a pregnancy test in spirit, but requiring more attention and focus. And I, I, I gave up, I quit. I didn't want to use the kit anymore. I lost like my steam with it. And I just said, let's, let's just try. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. Um, it's great. And I remember thinking, well, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. I love my life. We were living in the city. We were 57th and 11th, you know, midtown luxury building, beautiful. I spent years living in the city. I love it. I'm such a city kid. And my whole life is my adult life in many ways always revolved around the city. You know, I love, just love Manhattan. There's, that's me. I was identified as like urban city always. And um, anyway, I liked it and loved it and thought, That'll continue and I'd be very happy, but we'll try. And then he told me later, he thought, you know what? When Monique stops trying and stops stressing about this, that's when it happens. Cause he felt like he had enough experience to know cause he had one already and he was right. So I don't know how many months later, maybe six or so months later, I really don't know the timeline. It's fuzzy. I got pregnant. So you asked me before, was it easy? Of course, when I was 26, it was easy. But then by this point, I got pregnant and I was 41. And I would say that was relatively easy as well, because, you know, we tried for maybe about a year or less under a year. And I didn't do anything. It was like, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, great. Yeah, that's pretty, and that's it, pretty easy. Yeah. And it works. So it, it worked. Did you miss your period and you found out or like, what was that like? I didn't, really, I didn't miss, I did miss my period. And he made me wait. And it's funny because I remember it was two weeks, almost. It was like 13 days on a Saturday. And then I was like, let's do it. He's like, nope. And he's, my husband's German, by the way. And um, at that point, he wasn't my husband. He was just my boyfriend. And we did things in reverse, my typical independent nature, right? We did, we did everything backwards, so to speak. Anyway, I was like, let's do it. And he's like, nope, you have to wait tomorrow. I'm like, why is it tomorrow's exactly 14 days? I was like, geez has to be exact. He's like, yes. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I had to wait until exactly 14 days because he said so. So I woke up that morning. I took the test. I looked at it and it was the double lines. And the first thought I had was, oh shit. Oh shit. And I looked at him and I told him and he gave me a big hug and I hugged him back on my tippy toes, got up, gave him a big hug. And all I thought was, oh my God. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> I guess I really didn't think it was going to work. I wasn't like, it was a whole new thing for me. I don't know. I just really, so I was, can't say I was excited, but I wasn't upset. I was just shocked. Like yeah. I didn't think it was, you know, it was real. Then it was real kind of, sort of, because you can't be half pregnant. You either are or you're not. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big switch flipped right now. All of a sudden. Yeah. Something new. Yeah. So it sounds like you're not, you know, your nose is not stuffed in what to expect when you're expecting. Are you just nope. like writing it out? 
Well, I did. I happen to happen to have an MLS, a master in library science, and I'm a master researcher. That's like a lot of my personality too. Um, I need to research everything. I love love studying, love school, love knowledge. I'd be a professional student PhD with hundreds of degrees if I could have the time and money. So anyway, I love doing it. So yes, I researched. I researched what to expect when you're pregnant. I bought that book and this book and that book and all these other things. And typical to me, I thought, well, forget it. I'm not doing it this way. I, you know, I don't like it. I not going this typical route. I refuse to be in a hospital with all of these Western things. I do not want to follow the tradition, the typical model, because I just don't do that. <laughs> so I decided to hire midwives. They were awesome. They were like a block from my apartment. They came every, you know, or every month. Um, they came to my apartment and they brought their little scales and their tape measures. And we would sit down and have tea and coffee. And I would have like muffins and stuff that I baked. And we had like a half hour, hour appointment whenever they came and we just hung out. And I was like, friends, like relax. They just checked me out and never went to a doctor's office except for a few sonograms where they told me I had to go. And they, I remember at one point they wanted extra, the people said, come back, you have this sonogram and that, and you can get all these pictures and all stuff. And I said to my wives, do I have that? And they said, no, of course not. They told me I didn't need to do it. And I remember I went back to the sonogram place and they said, did you do your appointment? I'm like, no, that's okay. Thank you. And I left. I'm not going to follow what they told me to do just because that's what everyone does. <laughs> yes. So I didn't and do those like, you know, cause you can do all these different kinds of pictures and scans and I was like, eh, and I didn't do that. And so I just stayed with my midwife the whole time. So this and sounds like a very chill pregnancy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very chill. It was. And then did you, did you enjoy being pregnant? Yes and no. I mean, honestly, this is hilarious. I'm, I feel like I was made for pregnancy. It was super easy. I'm, I'm very fit. I'm very active. I teach yoga. I was at the gym. I was a gymnast, a dancer. Like I've been fit and super active and vegetarian this for all my life forever. And so I think that's one of the reasons I probably got pregnant so easily at 41. Cause it was more like my body was like biologically 30 something. It was really yeah. not. So it was super easy. I didn't show until about six months and I honestly didn't feel pregnant until about eight, nine months at the end, eight and a half, nine months. I was like, Oh, Wow this is what it's like to be pregnant. Oh my God, this is what they're talking about. Like, I do not really feel pregnant the whole time. Honestly, I had no morning sickness. I had a little nausea at night. I threw up once because I had heartburn because I ate too much and I was in an uncomfortable position. I did not throw up once for morning sickness. I wasn't nauseous really. Otherwise, my ankles were not swollen. I didn't have melasma or whatever it's called, that melasma on my face. I didn't have um, preeclampsia. I didn't have... Uh, gestational diabetes. I had no complications, nothing. You would never know I was pregnant from the back. The only way you no. saw is a big basketball belly. That's it. I gained 18 pounds, I think 20, maybe max. But I also, I'm only five one and I'm like yeah. 110, 115 pounds. So for me, that's a lot of weight. I mean, yeah. com, you know, relatively speaking and the ratio. So I didn't really feel pregnant. I looked pregnant. I taught yoga all the way up until two weeks before I was due. I took aqua aerobics two to three times a week and I wore this bikini and little by little, my belly just hung over the bikini more and more. I remember that. That was funny. I, I was super active and doing stuff all the way until the end until I felt like I couldn't move anymore. Like I couldn't even get, you know, my knee very far towards my 
my knee towards my nose or anything. I just really couldn't move anymore. It was way too big. And that was really at the end, eight and a half, like almost nine months. And then I had to like push myself to the edge of the couch, hold on and like haul myself up. And it was hard at the end, the last few weeks. And that's the only time, like I said, I really felt pregnant because prior to that, it was just like, I felt like I was bloated and kind of like period fat, but it didn't, it didn't really affect my mobility or anything. And I walked everywhere in the city, which is great. I think being pregnant in Manhattan is fantastic because you just walk everywhere. Walk, walk, walk all the time. Keeps you, keeps everything flowing. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty ideal pregnancy. So would, let's get to the edge of birth here. What, what, uh, are you, what birth are you imagining? What are you hoping for? So complete, con- continuing this rebellion theme. I didn't want to be in hospital. I didn't want to be under fluorescent lights and harsh conditions and hospital gowns and people poking me. And I didn't want an epidural. I was 100% against a thousand every which way, no friggin' epidural, not for me. I don't want that. I can't stand medicine, hospitals, need all that stuff. I'm like totally squeamish. Nope. I want to do a home birth. So I found, I went through all these different natural options and came up finally with a method called hypno babies. Yep. There's no, no birthing. They're slightly different. I went with hypno babies, which is like high end medical grade hypnosis, evidently. So that's what I chose. What, what, and, talk, talk a little bit about that. What does that involve? So it's you hypnotize yourself. You have to go to a class once a week for like three hours with a, someone who's trained. Um, you get a manual, like a book. You get CDs. You get handouts. You get all this stuff. And you study all about birthing, you know, the parts of the body, how it works, everything, and how to hypnotize yourself. And you practice. And you're supposed to practice with your partner. And you go through it. And you start, I think, I think as soon as you're three or four months pregnant, you start doing the classes. So by the time you come to nine months, you're prepared. Just to add a little to what Monique was saying, when we think of hypnosis, we tend to think of it in its TV portrayal as a man swinging a pocket watch to rid you of your consciousness and make you walk around like a chicken. But it's defined as a waking state of awareness in which your attention is detached from your immediate environment and is absorbed by inner experiences. Hypno Babies is designed to lessen fear and anxiety around birth. It involves self-hypnosis as well as imagery and birth visualization to reframe birth in a more positive light. It looks like it's currently more popular in Europe than the U.S. I couldn't find any research studies that had considered how effective it was, but there's a Cochrane review of its near neighbor, hypnobirthing. And for that technique, the results are mixed. Well, my husband hated going. I said, do we have to go? We're in this office on a Saturday morning for three hours and it's dark and she talks all the time about this so much and these people there and oh, I don't want to do it. And I was like, look, you got to do this. I'm the one giving birth. I'm carrying it. You got to go. And I was like really annoyed. <laughs> like that's all you have to do is just sit and do it. I have to birth it. You better come. So he's like, all right, all right. I mean, he was generally supportive, but he just didn't really feel like sitting in this, you know, tiny little dark office, like every Saturday morning doing this for months. He hated it, but I told him he had to do it. It was his job. So we did it. And that, going back to your original question, was did I know anything about birthing? Nope, zip, nada. However, from this class, I learned all about it. Oh my God, I had no idea. Like I literally was clueless. It sounds silly because I'm such a researcher, but I was never my interest. So I never had to know about this. I mean, I learned out like your, your body releases all these hormones, your pelvis opens, it shifts, dilation. I learned all kinds of stuff. I learned I had a whole like biology class. I didn't know any of this. 
Did not know. Are you, how, what's your emotional state? Are you approaching this with excitement or anxiety or how do you feel about the birth? Mostly I was, I was in between. I was pretty relaxed. I had my moments of anxiousness where I was like, oh my God, can I do this? Can I really do this? I was pretty freaked out as it got closer and closer. I really didn't know how it was going to like turn out and how my baby was going to get out. Of course I know intellectually, psychologically, you know, the birth canal, but how was I actually, how was it going to really happen for me? Made me very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Understandably so. Yeah. Because I've never done it before. I never really been around people. I just didn't know what to expect. Fear of the unknown. And I remember walking in the city, walking down streets and seeing people who are pregnant, who didn't look nearly as fit as me, shall I say. And some of them were pushing, were pregnant and they were pushing babies in stores. And I thought, well, she could do it. I can do it. I know I can do it. And this one can do it. I can do it. Like I felt reassured by nature that other women, hundreds and thousands and millions of women throughout history have done this. So I'm sure I could do it. And I, and it's not like I was, I was very confident in my physicality and my body, but less confident in my emotional state of like thinking about it. Once I got into my head about it, that's when I got anxious, you know, that makes sense. Well, so the feeling of hypnosis, when you practice it, Mm -hmm. does it just feel like you're super calm or what does it feel like? Uh, It feels super. And I, it it feels super calm. You feel very zoned out, like in flow, just kind of zoom, you know, you're in the, you're in it. And there were also CDs. There was music, of course, and and what's called brain entrainment, which is a word that helps you. You know, you have different brain states, alpha, delta, gamma. You have different brain waves. So it puts you in that like meditative state. Okay, a little more on this because it's very cool. Brainwave entrainment, also known as neural synchronization, describes the use of frequency-specific rhythmic images or sounds to influence the production of specific brainwaves. As Monique mentions, there are five brainwave states, delta, theta, alpha, beta, and gamma, and each state accords with a specific uh, feeling. Delta is like deep sleep or dreaming state, alpha is calm and restful mind, and gamma is a state of high concentration. There's mixed evidence for the effectiveness of auditory brainwave entrainment. It looks like more research is needed, and this kind of therapy has been used to manage chronic pain. And I kept thinking, well, I should be able to do so. I can do this. I mean, I'm a yoga teacher. You know, I've done meditation. I know a lot about this kind of stuff. So this is up my alley. I'm, I'm sure I can do it. I know I can do it. But again, there's a difference between understanding something intellectually and processing it and in that way than actually going through it and emotionally and spiritually being there. You know, there's all the totally. disparities. So how do we get to the birthday? What, what oh, my- happens? Oh, and I must mention in all my research, of course, I also said, well, I want a water birth. I want a pool because that's a good idea. I want all the options. So we researched and researched. That was a whole big thing. We got just the right hose to fit the sink. And we had to get a mini pool because we're in a New York City apartment, you know, on the 12th floor in a, in a one bedroom. We had to fit our mini pool in there. I mean, that's not really normal, but if you're in a city, that's what you do. So I measured it, blah, blah, blah. We found just the right pool. It just so happened that I also hired a birth doula. And my birth doula was one of my yoga students. And she was starting her doula business. So we split the money on the pool. And I said, we'll get a liner so it'll be fresh. And it was expensive. I said, let's do this. I'll use it. And then when we're done, 
you'll pay what we agreed to pay. I don't remember what the split was, 60, 40, whatever the split was, 70, 30, something. And then she would have the pool afterwards. We bought the cover, the hose, everything. And she would take it and she could use it to help her launch her doula business. (laughs) So, um, and I felt comfortable because she was one of my yoga students and, you know, in that whole world. So she was my birthing doula. Take take us to the day of the birth. Like, how do we know today's the day? Well, that just that weekend, there was a huge snowstorm. It was January 24th was my due date. And that weekend in 2016, there was a huge snowstorm. You probably don't remember. Most people don't, but I did because it was eventful. Yeah. Snowing and snowing. And they closed Manhattan. They closed the subways and all the buses. They closed everything. And that never happens in the city, closing the subways. And I thought, oh, my God. And I did have a panic attack because we looked out and it was white blizzard. Couldn't see anything out of our um, sky, our view that we usually have. Um, the skyline, nothing. I was freaking out. And so I was like, oh my God, well now what? And I was due that day. And my friend's like, Monique, the baby's going to come. Cause you know, that's what babies do. Well, there's a full moon, there's a snowstorm. That's when this baby will come, but she, he didn't come. He didn't come. And then the 27th things cleared. I started to do prenatal massages as well. I did everything. I had essential oils. I had herbal tinctures. I got things that were illegal. In America, herbs that were legal, I researched it. I lived in London for a long time, like six years. And there was a woman there who's very famous, Dr. Dr. Gondry. I can't remember her last name was Motha, M-O-T-H-A, which is like mother, but she never had children. Very interesting. She's super famous OBGYN and she had this whole gentle birthing program. So I knew about her. So I ordered her book and I ordered her herbs and I got them. I think my husband was on business in London. I had him pick them up for me and bring them back in his suitcase. Why why are they illegal here? I don't know. Because whatever, because America, you know, the FDA commercialism, you know, all that stuff. Are the herbs to induce labor or what are they for? Um, No, they're just different kinds of herbs, just different ones. And some of them were not like FDA regulated and I guess not dangerous, but just not approved. So anyway, somehow I found a way to get them. I got the book from, from the UK. And so I had all her herbs. I had her CDs to everything. Uh, so I did that. I had herbs. I had essential oils. I had homeopathic stuff. I had everything, including I did prenatal massages. And I was going to my prenatal massage that morning. On a, I think it was a, whatever it was, Tuesday. And I said, Oh God, it feels really like a bowling ball down there. It was so awful. It was so uncomfortable the last week. You know, I didn't know this is how it is, but that's how it is for me anyway. It seems to be normal. And I was like, can you do something? Can you help me? And she's like, yeah, I can do your trigger points for labor. I'm like, yes, please. And she's like, wow, it'd be amazing. You're going to give birth on my table. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, I've never had that, but that would be cool. I'm like, well, let's see. So she gave me a prenatal massage. And stimulated my trigger points. Well, I left and I was supposed to walk home and we were only a few blocks away. It was on 57th and Columbus Circle and I lived on, which is like 8th and I lived on 57th and 11th. I'm like, I'm walking home. Of course I'm walking. I'm always walking everywhere. If I'm nine months due pregnant, of course I'm going to walk. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't walk. I'm so tired. I feel so heavy. I just can't walk. So I think the massage ended around 233 and I took a cab like two or three blocks and I felt guilty. Get back to the apartment and I started feeling a little weird and I was like, what? Oh my God, this is it. Maybe this is it. I think so. I'm not sure. I think so. 
And I told my husband and it was it. It worked. Did, so did your water break or like, how did you know? No, here? I just, I started feeling really like, like period pains, like cramping yeah. and yucky. And I thought, oh, I think this is labor. And I made my husband like, I was like, well, let's get the paper and like start counting some contractions and, you know, I don't know, whatever. And then I remember I called the midwives and I told them like, well, we'll call you back in a couple hours and see how you feel, how it's going. And I was like, okay. And then an hour later, I'm like, uh, where are you at this, you know? And, uh, and I told them what was happening and how it was feeling I'm like, yeah, okay, this is it. And we'll check back in. And then I called them again. I'm like, this is it. I think so. I think you better come here. Come now. And then my doula lived on the Upper West Side. 20 blocks away on the other side, a little further up. And she's like, do you want me to come? I'm like, yes, come now, please come now. Then I, you know, wanted her to come. So she came first, I think. And then the midwives came and there were two midwives and they were alternating. So whoever was on that shift was the one. And so the one who was supposed to come came. And interestingly, so like I said, I researched, I had everything, I had a pool, I had a Swiss ball, I had this big rope thing, you know, or whatever that sling that you go across the door. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll squat. It'll be great. Never did that. Wasn't on the Swiss ball very much. And I went to the bathroom and I was on the toilet. And what do you know? My water broke on the toilet and I just flushed it down. Well done. Like, oh, I guess that's it. Again, I had no experience, clueless. So that was pretty cool. I made the lights, I asked them to look for the lights to be low. And everything prepared. I had all my herbs, all my essential oils. I had an acupuncturist on call. I made special like drinks in the fridge, everything labeled, you know. And my doula was like, wow, I've never seen someone so prepared. I cannot believe you've got everything. I covered all my bases, like unbelievably thoroughly researched, like crazy. But now I understand I had the time because I didn't have a kid yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I've got one. It's different. But at that point, I didn't yet. So I had my headset into my little phone that I had with my meditations on it. And I put myself in hypnosis once I started realizing what was going on. And I had my headset in the whole time. And I did most of my labor sitting on the toilet, actually, a lot of it. And I remember my husband or someone said, what about the pool? Do you want to go in the pool? And I, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, what was very funny about that is I'm not a water person at all. I was aquaphobic as a child. I would practically vomit when I had to go in the, in the pool at summer camp as a kid. I didn't like showers. I didn't like baths. I didn't enjoy water. I never have. Whatever possessed me to think that during this time I'd want to be in a pool, I don't know. But I heard it was good, so I thought, yes. But no, of course not. That's not me. I'm not a water baby. And my most primal instinct is not water. I want solid land. So I spent most of it in the bathroom, like I said, on the toilet. And then the midwife moved me to our bedroom. And the last place I wanted to end up, of course, would be in the hospital on my back. I was against that completely, against all the doctors and the nurses and the typical Western way of a very sexist type birthing, you know, where the woman doesn't count. Sometimes it's really traumatic, all kinds of things that I found very difficult, offensive, irritating, and just not me. And so we were on the bed. I was on the bed and I was a little bit on my back, which I didn't like, but she told me to move on my side. And then this way and that way, the midwife was guiding me the whole time. I still had my head sitting, by the way, and I hardly talked, which I found fascinating later. I was in the zone. I was super mellow. And... Obviously, I'm quite energetic and I'm generally really hyper. But when I was 
in birth and I was hypnotized. I was like, like almost like flatline, like so relaxed and so chill and calm the whole time. And whenever they asked me questions, I was in primal mode. I wanted to drink and I was like, ah, ah, eat, ah. Just I would just make noises. Yeah. I point yeah. to my mouth. I would make noises. I would gesture. I was like in another world completely. And so here I am on my back, flipping back and forth how she told me, measuring, they put the birth, the monitor on. And she said, I remember her saying, the, the heart rate is dropping. And I was like, hmm. okay, I hardly talk. I just like nodded my head. Okay. And then said, all right, keep pushing. Let's check in a little while to see if the heart rate's dropping. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't really understand. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do that. She said one more time, third time, the heart rate might be dropping. If it continues to drop on this last time, when I check it, someone dial 911. You'll have to go to the hospital. You might need a C-section. I went, okay. And that's like, I came out of it for a moment, barely. And I, that was it. I didn't, you know, anything. Next thing you know, 911, someone dialed. My sister was there. She dialed right away. They came. And I, this was my backup plan. Here's the thing. Another thing. I wanted to be ideally in a birthing center. But how insurance goes, my midwives didn't have visiting privileges at the birthing center. But if there was an emergency 911, then I could go. Okay. Other, the only place they had admitting privileges was East Harlem and Brooklyn. I thought to myself, there's no way in hell with I'm in birth, am I going to jump in a cab or on the subway and make it over to East Harlem from the Upper West, you know, from yeah, Midtown. Yeah. yeah. No way. Who knows when it's coming? You know, you never know. And Midtown traffic, have a baby in the cab, whatever. I'm not doing that on the subway. And I'm not also, hell, I'm not going to Brooklyn. So my backup plan, I guess I had a birth plan, but I was already told, please, you know, always understand that the plan is hilarious. The plan is never the plan. And I was like, okay, I wrote what I wanted. And I packed a bag, by the way. I love purple and had this little purple bag with everything in it and had all my own food. I packed my makeup. I packed my moisturizers. I picked my eyelash curl. Everything was perfectly packed like six weeks beforehand. My cute little outfits, everything was done. My nails Wait, were can done. I, let, let me pause you there for one second. Yeah. Do, we, do we now laugh at the eyelash curler? Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I was prepared. Everything was ready. Everything was prepared. A to Z. So yep, I was prepared. And I told my husband exactly where the bag was. And my sister, when they came just in case, God forbid, which I do plan, of course, you never know, but just in case they told us always during, cause the hypno babies thing was to basically be a, do a home birth or a birthing center. It's a very natural process, but you never know what's going to happen. So always have your bag packed in case. So I did that. Well, what do you know? Dialed 911. I said to somebody, you know, make sure they grab the bag, get the bag. And they came to get me, came in with the ambulance and a stretcher. And we we're on 57th and 11th, and I was in Sinai West, which is 58th and 10th. Okay, so yeah. I knew in my birth plan that if there was an emergency, it was one block and one at two avenues away, which was super close. So from door to door, it was seven minutes. Oh wow. But you're you're going down the elevator on a stretcher. Yes. And then, and you're with your midwife and your sister and your husband? And my, my midwife, my sister, my husband, my best friends, and doula, doula. somebody else. And my doula, right. Thank yeah. you. And my doula. Well, what happened is this is the part, this is so far the worst part of the birth so far up until this point, everything was okay. It was hard. And I, oh, I do remember thinking, 
at one point, whoa, if this is as intense as it gets, okay, I got it. I can handle this. This is it. I got it. It was intense. That's the only thing I could say. Was it painful? Yeah, but not really. It didn't in my mind because I was maybe hypnotized. It wasn't registering as much as pain. It's just intense. Like you were, it's so, as you talk about, so we talk about meditation and yoga, being present. I've never been so present in my life in anything ever. It was the ultimate, the ultimate presence. There was nothing else happening. You know, that's it. Except when I got on the stretcher, they said to me, Monique, stop pushing. I said, huh? And I, I just nodded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you're nine and a half, almost 10 centimeters dilated and he was coming out, that's what it was. And by the way, I think I started labor at about 3.30 and this was 9.30. So it's pretty it quick. Fast. Yeah, it fast. was fast. Yeah. So it makes sense. That's fast and furious. That's me. That's my life city, everything, you know, that's, that's how I operate. But I had to stop because he was crowning, but he was stuck and his breath, you know, he was being, um, I guess, pressured, contracted or whatever. I had to stop pushing. You can't stop contractions. That's the force of nature, but I had to stop pushing. And that was awful. That was, I felt like I was free. I was a rock climber that was free climbing and I was in the edge of the cliff. And if I let go of this cliff, I'd fall to my death. That's how intense it felt. I was, I remember whiling on my side, holding the knuckle, my holding the rails of the stretcher and my knuckles like white. I mean, that was the hardest, one of the the first hardest part It's almost, it's really pretty damn impossible to not push when you have contractions and labor and you're, you know, 10 centimeters. But I had, they told me not to because obviously, obviously it was an emergency situation. It was very serious. So get to the hospital and my, my midwife had to leave. They didn't have admitting privileges, so she couldn't come in. She was out the door and let me in and blah, blah. And she left and said, call me later. I did. I had heard all this later. I didn't know because I was in labor. Um, my sister, my doula came, my husband, my other best, my best friend, he was there. And then there was the lady, the head doctor on staff and the head nurse, and then a couple other people. So I had like a whole, I had like uh, a team of 10. And I went from my warm, low lit, relaxed, beautiful, you know, set up apartment to the hospital with the bright lights and the equipment and the surgical, this and everything that I didn't want. That's how it goes. And they told me to push. And they told me to push. And they told me to push. And I remember at one point thinking, I thought I was fit. (laughs) I was really fit. I mean, I was pushing like, I don't even know. It was crazy. I did, but it was really, 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 really intense because what happened, the reason his heart rate went down is he turned and suddenly tried to come up sunny side the other way, the wrong way. Yep. His shoulder, you know, that way backwards, upside down. So his heart rate was being pushed and compressed with all the contractions and he got stuck. They prepped me for a C-section three times, evidently, but I didn't know this. So you're still, you're maintaining this hypnotic state, even though totally. this stuff has been ruffled. The whole time. Okay. That's amazing. Whole time. And I had my headset in with my hypnosis tracks that they give you to, yeah. and I uploaded them onto my phone, onto my iPhone. Yes. The whole time, the whole birth, even during the time when they're telling me push, push, push. And I was on the stretcher and I was in the hospital bed. I had my headset on the whole time. And I was still in hypnosis the whole time. 
No epidural, obviously, way too late for that. I wouldn't have wanted it anyway. That was the whole idea. I didn't want it. So yeah, I continued pushing, pushing, pushing. And they tried to, they said they're going to use forceps or back mount. Remember if they said that, I don't know, but I know they did. And they tried and they lost him three times. They finally got him out on the fourth try. Oh, with the vacuum. Yeah, the vacuum thing. Yes. He was, it was really, 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 really hard, evidently. And so I had the head doctor there and the head nurse and evidently they called in nursing students and people, I was like, I became, I can think like a case, like, yeah. look what's going on here. And it's hilarious because, you know, it's not what I wanted, but it's fine. Like everybody was there checking it out and trying to learn from this. I became like a, you know, a learning, like a class. A teaching a tool, class. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, was yeah. a te- I was a teaching tool. Um, and even though I was in hypnosis and even though I was under all of this stuff going on I remember when they took him out I was like don't wash the vernix off you know the waxy stuff I remember I said yeah. I said oh no don't take my baby don't cut the cord he needs 10 minutes to let the blood flow don't wash him everything that I prepared for that I wanted that was cool and natural I like actually to say unmedicated I think natural birth is not right every woman having a birth is natural birth you're yeah. supposed to you're a woman I don't like that it doesn't and I think it does disservice to women. I would prefer to use unmedicated. That's what I wanted, an unmedicated birth. So according to unmedicated birth principles and hypnobirthing principles, you do skin-to-skin contact. You don't wash it off. You wait for the umbilical cord. You do this. You do all the things that I wanted that were of the typical, you know, thousands of years of, you know, the, the, the natural, the natural as in, you know, nature intended process was flouted, all of it all of it that I wanted. But I remember sitting up going, no, I was directing everybody, telling them what to do (laughs) or not to do. (laughs) But they did it all anyway. What I wanted, they didn't do. And what they didn't, what I didn't want, they did do. Which is Um, fine. It's it's hard to, it's hard to be an effective advocate at your own birth. Yes. I tried. I tried. And I'm pretty strong, obviously, and, and clear in my, in my voice and my values. But they did all these things anyway. And later on, I understood it was because it was actually pretty, a pretty dangerous birth. What happened? It was all an urgent emergency, like a big deal with all those people there and all this help and all this. I mean, clearly ages ago, one of us would have died without medical intervention. I mean, you know, when they didn't have these vacuum forceps and so one of us or maimed or something would have happened desperately. So it was a, pretty intense. So they had to take the Vern, they had to do everything to make sure that he was okay. They couldn't leave everything on because it was kind of a, I don't know if the word toxic is right, but I think something along those lines, like they had to clear everything and make sure, you know, couldn't leave all these. And it wasn't easy and peaceful up until that point it was, but that moment at the end wasn't. I will also say that I do remember tearing. Yeah. I tore and they cut me, but without any anesthesia, without anything. You mean they cut me, they cut you to get him out. Yeah. They cut me to get him out. They cut my perineum. They cut him out. Mm-hmm. They cut it and they didn't give me anything. They just went in and shh, with the scissors. And that is a moment that I do remember as well, that it came out of my hypnosis just a tiny bit. Like I went, I screamed, ah, whatever. I mean, I didn't expect that. I, I yelped. I had no idea what was going on. Oh, I suddenly felt a really intense, sharp burning pain. And well, that's what it was. Cause they just snipped me open. <laughs> That is intense. Wow. It was intense because I was under no medication whatsoever, anything. Uh, So I assume they're doing all this because of some heart rate issue with him. Yes. I know that he's stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Um, so they get them out, they cut the cord, they clean them off, and then they put them on your chest? Or how yeah, they, they give them to me. They did give them to me. They did give them to me, which was lovely. And um, yeah, they, they did give me, and they sewed me up. And I, I remember my labia was coming off a little bit, and I think they were maybe going to cut it or trim it or something. And my sister was like, no, sew it on. I think I had like 30 or 45 stitches or something. It was oh like, my God. It was a lot. They just sewed me right up. And my and sister was there. Um, well, thank God for your sister, first of all, but also I can't imagine the sewing is all that comfortable. I know it wasn't great. No. And, and you're, they don't give you anything to dull the feel that they might have. I okay. think maybe with that, they probably put some swab Anesthetic thing on, or something. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they did, but I think the cutting, no, they just yeah, did yeah. at that point. I don't think it mattered anymore. That is a forceful entrance into the world. It is. And I will say that it was intense. And I do remember grabbing my sister's hand really hard. And she jokes that she has a scar. My doula <laughs> and my sister have both have scars on their hands for me because my sister, I think I go, I bit her. I was holding her hand and I bit her and my doula or, and, or I was like digging in to their hands yeah. so hard. I didn't know I was digging in, but my nails, you know, cut made little like moon cuts and they bled. And so they're just a little, my sister was joking. She, she has a little scar from, from birthing like right there from me because I was yeah really really holding on pretty funny and I will also say another thing that I did that was quote illegal my husband got for me from Germany fascinating I have to tell you because nobody knows about it and this is how much I prepared it's unbelievable so you know a blood pressure cuff you put it on and then you yeah. squeeze the ball so they have something in Germany developed by like OBGYNs there whoever that it looks very similar but what you do is you take this black puffy ball thing and you put it and you insert it inside your vagina and your vulva, your birth canal. And it has a little pressure gauge on it. And then there's another pump and you press it and little by little, the balloon blows up inside you and it gets bigger and bigger. And you do it at a certain, I think you can only start it at 36 or 30 or four weeks or 37 weeks. There's a certain amount of time you can only start doing it because of risk of going into labor. So you insert that and every day you get it, you inflate it a little more, little by little by little. Why? To open because your cervix. you're stretching out your cervix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're also preparing yourself for birth by practicing. So I would do these breath, this breath work, inhale, hold it, exhale and push it out. And I remember going on my hands and knees in front of the mirror in my bedroom and pushing it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sweaty. This is intense. And I was like, holy shit, I'm not even birthing. And I'm like, this is so much. And sometimes I almost felt nauseous. It was like very intense. And I practiced with this thing and it's a great device and I can't remember what it's called, but I asked my husband to get it. I remember he bought it and he, that's what also he brought home. He, I, I sent it to his colleague's house in London and he brought it home in his suitcase from London because you can't get it here. It's illegal. It was FDA approved for a short while and then they stopped doing that. And so I, but I wanted it. So he was there and he brought it in for me from Europe. So it's like technical contraband, but no one would ever know what he had in his suitcase. So it doesn't matter. But I used that and I practiced with it specifically so I wouldn't tear, so I would be prepared. And I did perennial massage too, where, you know, you put your fingers in and you do oil and the whole thing. So I was really as prepared as you can be, but didn't really make, or it did and it didn't. In some ways, none of it made a difference, but in other ways it made the whole difference because considering how 
physically difficult and traumatic it all was, I emotionally wasn't traumatized at all. I felt great about it. I was like, okay, cool, done, did it, no problem. Like I felt fantastic, but physically it was, you know, yeah, a lot. A birth, yeah, yeah, birth. yeah. It was, it was, it was labor. They call it labor for a reason. Yeah. That's amazing. How was it when you went home? Did they release you immediately or you're no? Well, of course. <laughs> I remember I got I finished and I said, okay. Well, they're like, okay, we'll take you now. Here's a wheelchair. And I was like, I don't need a wheelchair. <laughs> and they're like, no, you do. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, it's 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 legal policy or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I stood up and I almost fell down. Because my legs were so wiggly, you know, from all that work and intensity. But of course, I had no idea that my legs couldn't even like hold me up. And and I was like, oops, I guess uh, my ego's, you know, deflated there. That was kind of funny. And I felt like, and I went to my room, of course, they put me up in this room. And I felt like I had done thousands and thousands of sit-ups. My abdomen was never so sore in my life you know and again I said I exercise a lot I'm pretty fit but there, there there's no class that you could do that could make you feel like that you know I mean yeah yeah and then I remember saying oh well my doula said I can leave in like 24 36 24 hours like no you need 36 hours maybe 48 and I was like Ugh. and then they gave me a diaper filled with ice cubes and I'm like what and they're like, you, you know, put this on. I was like, huh? And I was like, oh, oh, like, of course I had no idea. And then I realized, oh my God, I need this. I was in yeah. a lot of pain. The stitches were so, so painful, so painful. I mean, extraordinarily painful. I was so bruised. I was such, I was in so much pain. And then I said, give me the drugs. Afterwards, I wanted it because I felt that was different. I was healing. I had a baby to look after at this point. And since I learned in that class, when you're in birth, which is also what I didn't know when I was doing this inflatable thing inside me, of course, my body, it was hard for me because I wasn't birthing. I, my body wasn't flooded with hormones. I wasn't hypnotized. I wasn't in the zone for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know? So post birth, of course, I didn't have the hormones mm -hmm. anymore. I wasn't trying to do you know, do this. So now my body was kind of in regular mode and it hurt. So I asked this time for having some of the drugs, the pain relief type things afterwards. I do remember that. And then I realized, wait a second, why do, why do I want to get out of here? This hurts so much. I'm in so much pain. And then I was like, no, I'll stay all three days. And every hour, every couple hours, I kept clicking the button, bring me water, <laughs> bring me food bring me this, bring me that. Like, I, then I did a complete reverse. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually very happy I'm in the hospital because of how I felt. And I, I milked it and I stayed there as long as I could. And I didn't want him with me either. I'm like, no, bring him to the nursery, please. Only bring him the, to, to breastfeed and that's it. And then take him away. I didn't want to hang out with him for hours on end because I was in miserable. I was so in pain and exhausted. And I just was like, I think when I get home, I'll have to do this, you know, a lot. And I don't want to do that yet. I'm not ready. So I took full advantage of being in the hospital actually. Um, it, it sounds super lucky that you were close by and that they, yeah. right. Because what would the midwife have, have done if you were stuck, you would have gone to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. There was no choice. I mean, like I said, either one of us probably would have died or been named. I mean, there was just no yeah. way he turned. He, 
completely flipped the wrong way and it was very, very, very difficult. He was, he was stuck. He was totally stuck. He needed a lot of intervention. Like I said, they prepped me for three set for a C-section three times. And what they just, they just let it go. Like they said, yes, you know, I don't know why. Only thing I could say is that the head nurse was amazing and the doctor. And I think first of all, was the head nurse. So she must've had enough experience and intuition to read the situation, A, not only situation, but me. And I guess she just thought this woman feels like she looks like she can do this. She's, you know, hypnotized. She's in a zone. I guess how I was reacting, what I was doing. She just felt that I was prepared and I, I could do this. I don't, I have no other explanation. And I think I was the only one that night in the birthing center. So they had enough attention for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's uh, yeah. it, it worked out the best possible way in all it aspects, did. right? It did. It did. I also remember that they offered nursing classes. I didn't know anything about nursing. I had no idea. I didn't know there's a really thing called, I'm guessing maybe knew that there was a latch. We learned that in class, but I didn't know anything else. I didn't know that, you know, I nipples really could be inverted or not that babies don't nurse. I had no idea. I thought babies like, Babies nurse, they eat and they sleep. That's what they do. But oh my God, you have to teach all these things. You have to teach a baby to sleep. You have to teach them, help them to nurse. There's all these things. I just, I had no idea. I just kind of thought it was all automatic. I never, I don't know. I just never thought about it before. And so I remember I kept asking this lady to come and to help me to get it. But then once he latched after like, you know, a couple tries and figuring out having a couple classes in the hospital, I mean, he nursed like a champ. Actually, my body maybe was made for it, even though my my brain wasn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. That that's a lovely gift for someone who does not necessarily have her hopes and dreams pinned on a baby to oh, have exactly. it so pretty easily, right? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that was nice. You're right. That's a good point. But it all worked out. And I also had a postpartum doula. We hired a postpartum doula, and my husband said it's totally worth it because you know he had a, a went through this before with his ex had a baby he knew to his credit so wonderful he knew how difficult it was in the beginning especially I guess for me he's like I don't want you alone with the baby he was so funny because I guess he knew that I really didn't know he's like I don't want you alone with the baby it could be really hard I want to make sure that you're okay I'm working all day and you're just going to be home with this baby it's you know you need help and I was like okay you're right that's good because I it's like, well, now what do I do? Like, what do you do? You need a license to drive. You need a license Certainly. for all kinds of things. You don't need a license to raise a child, which is monumental. You know, everybody should have parenting classes and learn all this stuff. That's a great idea. I remember leaving the hospital and kind of looking over my shoulder to see, like, are they actually letting us leave with this baby? Exactly. Do know what to do? Yeah, not at all. Uh, who knows? I didn't know anything. Even I was like, you know, 40 something, but I didn't have this education. I just didn't know. And she helped me a lot. She was wonderful. They help with food or they help with it? Everything. I was like, I didn't even want to give him a bath. The first couple baths, the first three or four baths, I didn't do it. I watched her. I'm like, oh God, I don't want to. It's like, what if he drowns? I don't know how to hold. I was so nervous. I didn't want to give him a bath. I made my doula do it. My postpartum doula. She gave him the bath. It's just all this stuff you don't know. And you're sleep deprived. And you know, you're, you're in pain. And then on top of that, you have to take care of this little human who's, you know, constantly sucking on you. Every hour, every two hours, it's manic. It's awful. I mean, no wonder so many women have postpartum depression. It's terrible. We have no support in this country. That's my soapbox. So 
Yeah, so I'm very, very delighted, privileged, super thankful, fortunate that I, I had a postpartum do that because she's very experienced and she helped me through all of it because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know about folding a blanket. I just didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's about the mom. See, in our culture, we focus on the baby. Yep. Now, hello, Africa. Thank you very much. And other cultures, it takes a village. Yeah. As Clinton wrote, it really takes a village and you will never understand that until you go through it and or are somehow around it it really takes a village yeah it's very experiential and i think unless you see someone come yeah. home from the hospital it's, mm-hmm. hard, to, it's hard and to... i didn't i never saw that yeah i didn't have cousins who did or they did but it was much later and i just saw the baby and held the baby and they're a couple months old always oh, cute he spits up i guess you wipe it and gave it back like i didn't know all the like behind the closed doors like what you know it's like when you see a and ballet and they make it look so easy and beautiful and graceful. And then you never see the years of hard work and the women in the point shoes with their bloody toes and broken metatarsals and, and busted hips and all the, the grit and the gruel and the work and sweat and the, the trauma and the drama of it all. You don't see any of that. And that's yeah. what it was like for me. I had no idea of what all of this takes and that's just the birth. Now yeah, there's yeah. the raising yeah, yeah. the child part. All this. Now, yeah. if I were to throw a baby shower for a new mom or have to help a new mom, I would like, you know, completely. There's so many things that I would recommend and do that have nothing to do with that damn baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no, not no, about the baby. Sense. Yep. It's not it about the sense. baby. You know, it can't be. It makes so much sense to me now that my child came out the way he did. <laughs> He is, no surprise, my child, spirited, as we call, very spirited, if you want to be pejorative, stubborn, or turning it around, persistent, and persevering, and he's wonderful, many great qualities, but he is not your compliant, okay, mommy, yeah, sure, whatever type child, he's just not, clearly I'm not either, and of course he didn't come out like that, he came out... (laughs) the way he is he came out how his character is and i'm like wow don't yes obviously of course he did that from the moment of his birth he was you know a rebel uh-huh how could i have ever expected anything else i appreciate that the story of his birth aligns with that personality type right oh you thought we were having a home birth no we're not That's awesome. Well, such a great story. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it. Thank you. This is another illustration of the idea that birth is often a wild ride. Thanks again to Monique for sharing her story. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, feel free to like and subscribe or share it with friends. You can find more details about the topics we touched on in the show notes at warstoriesfromthewomb.com. We'll be back soon with another inspiring story.